I, I will say within the three pillars of attainment, which is our you know, rubric for, for you know, the show, I, I would default to your definition, lifelong curiosity. What do you feel are the benefits of maintaining that lifelong curiosity? <laughs> I jokingly say you'll be a lot more fun at a cocktail party. Who are you and where are you going? What do you want? Together, we'll find the ideal path on The Way to Wow Show with your host, Kevin Bemmel. The realm of learning is central to all parts of the three pillars of attainment. But I think it's kind of hard to figure out what is this thing, lifelong learning? It's almost a buzzword. We have to keep our skills up to stay competitive in the job market. But I think it really needs to go beyond that. My guest today, Deborah Albert, who's coached many, many senior leaders in this realm, is gonna help you figure it out. But first, Philip Lee's gonna make us a cocktail. All right, thanks for having me. Uh, today we're gonna be making a Floridora cocktail. It's a cocktail named after a popular Broadway musical in the at the turn of the century, in the early 1900s. Uh, the cocktail is a gin cocktail. Um, so we're gonna start off with an ounce and a half of gin here. Half an ounce of lime juice. And a quarter ounce of a raspberry liqueur. Some ice. Give it a shake. Top it off with a little ginger ale here. And I like to add a little lime twist to it because I feel like the lime oils really help everything out. And there you go, Kevin. Uh, thank you, Philip. You know, every time I hear Floridora, I think of the show On the Town. Oh, Floridora, yeah. girl! Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to try it. Cheers. Thanks so much. Of course. How can you improve your life through learning? Philip. Mm. Floridora. Love it, and the name. Sorry, I couldn't figure out a way to send you a Floridora to share with the interview, but we'll, we're gonna work on that for the next season. So Deborah Albert, thank you very much for coming on the Way to Wow show. 
I, I took your, your very dense biography and, and trimmed it down. I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I get all of the, the good parts in there and, and don't leave anything out. In addition to her many academic accomplishments, including at the George Washington University, the American University in Paris, and uh, tout par français, right? Oui, bien sûr. Oui, oui. And, and New York University, uh, Deborah Albert has 10 years in advertising and media businesses and over 14 years as co-owner and chief development officer at Sequent Learning Network where among many responsibilities, she helped people increase their skills and competencies. Now as the founder and CEO of Blank Slate Learning, Deborah is helping people upskill and reskill to stay competitive in the face of a market shortage of competent workers and people afraid but forced to learn new things. I think that describes a lot of the people I know and certainly a lot of the viewers on the show. It's really a daunting, daunting challenge. So, <laughs> so my, my first question, Deborah, is what got you moving from, you know, media and advertising into really, you know, what we're talking about today, which is this realm of learning, lifelong learning? How did you make that transition? What, what was the impetus, et cetera? Okay, so the short story is that I had always been in advertising and then market research. And while I was in market research, my client asked me to uh, basically start this company with him. And uh, it was a company that was involved in corporate learning, corporate training. Um, he was the subject matter expert and I ran the business. And for me, it was great because every role I've ever had has always been an intellectual property. So I've gotten to see little tastes of all kinds of different industries and learn about all different kinds of companies. And so that constant quest for learning about new things is something that just is a part of who I am. So, so that leads in nice, I think, to my next question, which is, we, we hear this term, lifelong learning. In fact, I have a client from uh, my prior career in real estate who, after a 30-year career in banking, went and got, I, I believe it was a, a doctorate of, in education, and, and explored this whole subject of lifelong learning. So what, what, how would you describe what lifelong learning is? It's funny that you asked that. I just was talking to someone yesterday about that. I think people have different perceptions of what that means, or it has different connotations. For me, and this is, I'm not an expert in this, so this is just my own opinion. Lifelong learning is, is about curiosity and wanting to grow. Um, it's become really a kind of a buzzword in the last five years or so, especially because of what's happening in the economy. And I'm talking pre-COVID. -co pre I mean, just the whole economy has been such that people are getting pushed out of their roles. Uh, AARP says that ageism in the workplace starts at 40. And that was a couple of years ago. There's more data to show that it's actually in certain industries as early as 36. And what's happening is we're living longer, we're living healthier lives. Clearly, it's not like 50 years ago even when people wanted to retire at 65 and just you know, sit and watch television. Um, people want to be engaged in, in the world and 
the economy is such that so many people need to keep earning a living. So um, for me, lifelong learning is about curiosity and about wanting to keep learning and growing. But I think that a lot of other people use it a lot to mean constantly upskilling, constantly revamping your skills and your knowledge so that you can stay competitive in the world of work. So I, I will say within the three pillars of attainment, which is our you know, rubric for, for you know, the show, I, I would default to your definition, lifelong curiosity, because I think learning should be more than just knowing what you need to know for your work or, or to get that, you know, that next step on, on the professional ladder. So, but, you know, you t we were just talking about curiosity. Besides how it can help us stay more competitive in the professional world or in the work world, what are the, what are the benefits of, of this lifelong curiosity, maybe we'll call it, so that we make sure we're, we're being more precise. What do you feel are the benefits of maintaining that lifelong curiosity? <laughs> I jokingly say you'll be a lot more fun at a cocktail party. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> hey, I, I actually, um, even though you didn't send me one, I have my water right here. Oh, okay. Um, I, uh, listen, there's no question about it. There's an enormous amount of data to show that the neuroplasticity of learning new things at every stage of your life um, helps your brain stay healthy and helps your whole cognitive world uh, stay intact as opposed to you know just sitting around doing nothing for years and years and your brain will atrophy i mean there's a ton of data about that so that's that's number one but i do think you'll also be a lot more fun at a party Okay, and I, th I, think, I think that's important too. So how can we engage in lifelong learning in indulging our curiosity? What are some of the things people can do? Well, there's a ton of stuff out there. I mean, there's, this is the, the world of content. Um, but let me, let me answer it this way. I think people who are, I will call them digital immigrants or non-digital natives, or let's just say people who aren't as technologically savvy, I like to say um, people who didn't grow up with a cell phone in their pockets, they're in a, a slightly different position. The people who are technologically savvy, who know how to attain knowledge and information using technology, I mean, just Googling stuff, for example, I don't think there's going to be a problem there because they've grown up with it. They know exactly how to satisfy whatever curiosity they have. But people who didn't grow up with it are often very intimidated by it. And there are a ton of places where one could go to learn things, whether it's any one of the um, online networks like a Netflix, a Hulu, there's something called Curiosity Stream, which is predominantly documentaries and other sort of um, not so commercial kind of content. Whether it's a MOOC, which is an online uh, conglomerate of different university uh, workshops and trainings and classes that are free. 
and just about everywhere you go, you can be apprised of different workshops that are happening given by various people. Some might be very, very good and informative and accurate. Some might be, you know, somebody's opinion and, you know, it's just all over the place. For me, what I want to do, and this is actually sort of phase two of blank slate learning, because blank slate learning was actually developed because of COVID, mm. but it fits into a larger picture of what I want to do. I want to help people who are non-digital natives be more competitive for either the future of work, either staying in their jobs, re-entering the workforce, or having enough of a savviness about technology so that they can open up their own business. Here's what I mean. If I just want to open up a flower shop in my neighborhood, somebody else opens up a flower shop two blocks away. If I don't understand anything about digital marketing, if I don't understand uh, how to use tools to better assess my supply chain, I'm not going to stay in business very long compared to the one that's only two blocks away. Because now these tools are available and people are using them. And if you want to stay competitive, whether it's competitive with your colleagues in an office, competitive against all the people that are vying for a job, or competitive against your neighborhood flower shop, you really need to learn how to use these tools. However, I am not, I, a lot of people say, well, what are you talking about? I'm not gonna go be a data scientist and I'm not gonna go learn how to create um, some kind of a software program, not the point. The reality is, is this. If you can just understand the context of these new technologies, these newfangled things, you're already setting yourself apart from other people who, let's say, are in your boat not so technologically savvy. So here's an example I like to give. Um, I grew up in a time when GE, General Electric, was you know considered just this you know fabulous behemoth, strong, successful company. Jack Welch, blah blah blah. Okay, so their engine. Uh, their engine manufacturing division uses a lot of 3D printed parts. Probably not something that someone of a certain age would think about, right? Because we're not thinking about 3D printing and we certainly can't imagine 3D printed parts in an engine, in an airplane that I'm gonna get on. <laughs> so here's, here's my example. If I were a sales guy, um, an accountant, a customer service rep, and I was gonna go try to get a job in that division. And someone was interviewing me and they said, so um, what do you think about additive manufacturing? I'm sorry, what? Interview is over. The way I would answer that question is I would just look up to the heavens and say, oh, I love 3D printing. I'm fascinated by it. About eight years ago, I was at a medical equipment conference and I held a 3D printed spleen in my hand. It blew me away. I might not get the job. Oh, that's a true story, by the way. Um, and an ear. Um, I might not get the job, 
but I'm certainly going to get the next question. So my goal is to help these non-digital natives upskill enough to be more competitive to the extent that somebody wants to go out to, you know, a 36 week boot camp for, you know, uh, R or Python or whatever. Great. Um, I have some people who are working with me who are uh, doctors of education and neuroscientists who absolutely will say you can learn at any age. So one of the, I think one of the hurdles that we don't think of it as being a hurdle is something you mentioned a, a, a couple minutes ago, and that is there is so much out there. How, where's the entrance point that doesn't require, you know, sifting through a million options and, and is just, it's a place where someone, um, uh, a, a non, you know, non-digital native, you know, can, can feel reasonably comfortable, maybe just a little bit out of their comfort zone, but can kind of step in and, 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 and take that, you know, get, get started. Yeah. Well, the answer to that is I haven't found one yet. And that's why I'm going to build one. Ah, okay. So what are you seeing as being necessary for that? I think there are several things and a couple things I actually don't want to say because it's a little bit of my secret sauce. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, out of the vest just yet. Um, first of all, I think that the ageism mentality, not just in the workplace, but just in this country in general, and I've lived in other countries and I, I think it's changing a little, but it's less so in many other cultures. You know, of a, at a certain age, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of that we're not, uh, we're invisible. Marketers do not target people of our demographic. Um, culturally, uh, you don't find people of our demographic necessarily at the forefront of what is cool. Um, we have such such an, a, a, a love of the youth culture here. And so I think that nobody's really telling people who would fall into this non-digital native category where to go. So what happens is maybe you've heard of YouTube. And so you YouTube, how do I blah, blah, blah. And what happens is you go on this channel and this happens so often and they say, well, all you have to do is click on this link in your system tray. Well, okay, what's a system tray? And many people who have um, read the documentation for software programs or apps or gone into some help support forum online, they speak to someone who has some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what a system tray was and it took me 40 minutes to figure it out after I Googled it. <laughs> so there's a different way of educating people part of which is just taking your time. So Deborah, before we wrap things up, just tell us real quickly about what Blank Slate Learning is and is about. Okay, Blank Slate Learning was actually born um, out of the coronavirus really, because we, the, all the people who are around me who are educators um, know that you can't just take your classroom and put it online and expect that to be really good educating. So we have a bunch of experts who are um, 
creating excellence in online, hybrid, and concurrent educating. Because if we educate our educators to be better at this new way of teaching, then that is going to have a huge impact to an awful lot of people in our communities. And it's a subset of the sort of bigger picture of upskilling. Well, unfortunately, Deborah, we're out, we're out of time, but I really appreciate you coming on the Way to Wow show and helping us explore better the, the idea of, of lifelong learning, of, of learning as a, as a realm in our life. And uh, you, you sent me a uh, thing for our uh, collage, Blank Slate Learning. I'm going to put this up here. Let's see, I think we'll put it right there. Deborah, thank you so, so much for being a guest on the Way to Wow show. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So that's our show for this week. Remembering what Deborah Albert shared with us, the idea of lifelong learning, it's really about curiosity. Someone once told me one of the best ways to stimulate our curiosity is to go to a newsstand once a month and pick up a magazine that you've never read before. And then just read a couple of articles about this unknown subject and think about how it might work in some other part of your life. I think it's an excellent suggestion. You may have trouble finding a newsstand nowadays, but give it a shot. Courage at all times, my friends. Marie, you're still my bell. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.